Inflation in America is at the highest levels we've seen in over 40 years. Abba Bacharai is an economics correspondent at The Post. She has been reporting on inflation for months. We just found out that in June, prices rose 9.1% from a year ago. And I think every American has been seeing it for the last year. You know, we see it at the grocery store, at the gas station, rents and mortgages. Everything has gotten significantly more expensive. And that means that more people are losing their housing. People are getting priced out of their homes and apartments. And we've seen a real sharp and very sudden rise in homelessness this year that many shelters are saying is directly linked to inflation. One of the people who lost their housing this year was Josanne English. She lives in California near Sacramento. I lost my job in April, um, April 15th. And you know, I did have some money, so I was able to at least carry the rent for a little bit. And then I thought I'd be able to find a job sooner, but that wasn't quite the case. Eventually, Josanne got evicted. For a week, her family stayed in a hotel, but then the money started to run out. She sent her kids to stay with relatives and started sleeping in her car. Josanne never imagined that she would be in this situation. She made almost $100,000 last year. But with rising rents in California, she was still just barely making it work. And when she lost her income, she couldn't make it work anymore. Everything is so expensive, but, you know, when your rent is, you know, you know close to $3,000, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's nuts, and you have a family to see. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, July 20th. Today on the show, how the high cost of food, housing, and gas is pushing many Americans into homelessness. Well, it's tough to know how many people don't have homes on any given night. Abba said that nearly 5 million adults expect to lose their homes in the next couple of months. She talked about this with my colleague, Alahe Azadi. Alahe and Abba will take it from here. Who is becoming homeless right now, newly homeless right now? Are, are, are these people who were already below or living at the poverty line? You know, oftentimes, no. What's been striking this time around, just in conversations with families and also with homeless shelters and service providers, is that the people who are losing their homes now often have jobs. Sometimes they're even really good paying jobs, but you know maybe their lease comes up for renewal. It's going up by 20% or 30% and they just can't afford that. And they start looking around and they're totally priced out of everything else as well. And so that's what we're finding is a lot of people who are simply just totally out of options. And what's also interesting is that once you lose your home, there tends to be like a ripple effect. Even people who maybe had jobs, um, once they lose their home, it becomes that much harder to keep those jobs. And so it can spiral out of control very quickly. Listening to you, I'm wondering if when we're looking at the equation of rising costs, you know, there's gas prices that are really high, there's inflation, but is a big part of this puzzle housing costs? Like why are rents 
going up so much. Absolutely. That's a huge part of the equation. And early in the pandemic, we heard a lot about housing prices going up. Um, You know, there were all these bidding wars and home prices just shot through the roof. And as more people got priced out of that, as they realized, well, maybe I can't buy a house now, the demand for rentals started rising and we started seeing a huge pickup in rental prices. And so depending on what part of the country you're in, you know, rents are up as much as 30, 35, 40%, especially in the South and parts of Texas and Florida. And so that's having a very real impact on families and on single mothers in particular. My name is Sabrina. I live in Hartford County, Maryland. And I've been unhoused for 863 days as of March 1st, 2020. Sabrina Barger-Turner has been living in hotels for the last two years. Initially, I was unhoused after I struggled to meet rent for several months. Although I was able to avoid eviction, I was unaware that my landlord could terminate my month-to-month lease with only a 30-day notice. Unfortunately, my credit had taken a hit because my two children suffer from chronic medical conditions. So I have been unable to increase my credit score in these two plus years in order to qualify for a place to rent. Additionally, with the rent prices going up, it's even harder to qualify to rent because it's based on your income. In my county, we need three and a half times the rent on average as income in order to qualify for a place to live. Abba, when you spoke with Sabrina, what did her experience tell you about what is going on with many people around the country? You know, the really frustrating part that Sabrina mentioned is that she's paying $89, sometimes even more a night for these motels that she's cobbling together. So she is spending a lot of money on housing, but it's just not stable housing. And it would actually be cheaper for her to get an apartment. But like she said, she doesn't qualify. And a lot of times, you know, she's required to put up like a first month's rent and deposit and last month's rent. And so it adds up very quickly to thousands of dollars that she doesn't have. Yeah. And she mentioned she has these two children who suffer from chronic medical conditions. If Sabrina's without a permanent home, how is her family doing? Like, where are they staying right now? Are they all staying together? You know, she did say that they were staying at a place for a long time earlier in the year. And then that hotel owner sort of kicked everybody out to make room for tourists. And so she's sort of having to patch together these housing situations on a daily basis, which is very difficult. Um, And she says sometimes she'll send her kids to stay with family and she'll just spend the night in her car, particularly on the weekends when hotel rates tend to be a bit higher. So I've been giving up time with them. So they spend time with family while I sleep in the car. Wow, I'm just really struck because... Here you have this mother who is trying to just make ends meet, make sure there's a roof over her family's head, and she's having to make these sorts of hard decisions regarding how much time she even gets to spend with her children. Yeah, the tough thing for Sabrina has been that, you know, she used to work in accounting. She had a $60,000 a year job before she became homeless. And now it's really hard to even piece together work or find full-time work. And this was a common theme that kept coming up in my conversations with people. One mother had a great sort of a well-paying remote work from home job, but when she lost her home, She moved into a motel that didn't have a great Wi-Fi connection. And so there was no way for her to keep doing her job. And she ended up losing that. And so, you know, there are all of these complications that come up as soon as you lose your home. 
Did Sabrina talk about the role inflation is playing in her life? What did she have to say about it? You know, she did. Um, She's facing, you know, just inflation across the board, like everybody else's, higher gas prices, higher food prices. And I think the biggest thing for her has been higher rent prices. Apartments that maybe seemed within reach a year ago are now completely out of the question for her. And so it's making it that much harder for her to afford a permanent place, especially as she starts depleting her savings. I mean, she says she she was able to sort of piece together these motels for a while, but she's not sure how much longer she's going to be able to do that. Inflation is affecting my everyday needs in the sense that gas prices, food prices, hotel, these are all what we need to survive, a place to live, eat, and gas to get around to whether that's the grocery store, the pharmacy, work, what have you. I am to the point where I'm skipping meals to make sure that these other things are covered because it's just too much to cover at once and everything has gone up. And I understand that it's that situation for everybody, but it's hitting the people at the bottom, like my family, the worst. So Sabrina is dealing with these hotel prices that, you know, if she's paying night to night, it's actually more expensive than if she were to rent. And also high gas prices. How has she been finding her way through this extremely difficult time? So she's been selling homemade jewelry online. She sometimes does delivery gigs for DoorDash, though she says that high gas prices have made that sort of impossible to keep sustaining. She she does art on the side and sells online. I mean, she is trying her best to sort of piece together what she can. And she recently started um, offering accounting services again. So she has a few clients that she works for there. It is completely debilitating to have your autonomy taken from you, to be separated from treasures that you've had your entire life and conveniences like a bathroom or a kitchen or a bed. My body is physically sore from all the stress. Before I was in this predicament, I had many of the same thoughts that are incorrect, that are harmful to those who are unhoused. I believed that they not necessarily chose this life, but were unable to avoid it. I didn't realize how many hurdles and hoops people had to jump through in order to become rehoused. I had no concept of how hard it would be to be living under these circumstances. But I've never tried drugs. I don't drink. I have no criminal record. I've never been evicted. So. The stigmas that are out there are just simply not correct for the homelessness situation in 2022. After the break, Alahi and Abba talk about how the Fed is trying to blunt the impact of inflation and how that could have unintended consequences. Plus, we've got an update about Josanne English, the woman you heard from the top of the show. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. I'm investigative journalist Kylie Lowe, and I'm here to tell you about my weekly podcast, Dark Down East. Each episode, I take you to my home in New England, where we truly get to know the people at the center of the cases we dive into— 
Join me and dig into some cases you won't hear about anywhere else. Listen to new episodes of Dark Down East every Thursday, or check out the extensive catalog of existing episodes now, wherever you listen to podcasts. When I step back and think about, okay, like, what is the role of the government here? One thing that comes to mind regarding inflation is the Federal Reserve, right, which balances the books on inflation. But what has the Fed done that is helpful for people like Sabrina? Well, the Fed doesn't have a ton of tools at its disposal. The one thing it can do is raise this one very specific interest rate that then sort of trickles across the economy. So the idea is that by making it more expensive to borrow for a house or a car or for businesses to borrow for investments, that families and businesses will sort of pull back. They'll think twice about buying that house. And so that'll create less demand in the economy and that will hopefully bring down prices. And so it's this like very long domino effect. And it's not quite clear what the impact on the housing market is going to be. We already see that like new home sales are starting to slow. Demand for buying a house is on the way down. But on the flip side, that means that those people who are getting priced out of buying a house are now going to be renting for longer. And so there are some economists who think that means even higher rents. And so it's really a moving target and it's really difficult to know what the final impact will be. Is there an option from the Fed that can help people like in the here and now, people like Sabrina and others you spoke with? No, not the Fed, but other parts of the government could. And we're starting to see this become more of a priority, especially at the state and local levels where leaders are maybe setting aside more money for affordable housing or changing zoning rules. And so they're trying to come up with longer term solutions to really address this supply shortage, which is causing this affordable housing crisis around the country. Are you seeing local jurisdictions also talk about things like rent control or capping what percentage rents can go up year to year? Is that like a new conversation or a renewed conversation you're hearing about? Yes, absolutely. We're definitely starting to see more of that in different parts of the country. But the pandemic has just totally changed things. It changed living patterns. It's changed sort of the way people think about their homes. You know, people who might have had a roommate before the pandemic are now maybe working from home more. And so they want their own place. And so there are all of these shifts that I think everybody is still trying to come to terms with. And how is Sabrina dealing with this new reality for her as, you know, this slow process of dealing with inflation works through the system. She talked a lot about how she's struggling, as did many other single mothers that I talked to, many other people that I talked to who are experiencing homelessness. They just kind of don't see an end to this. They feel like things are quickly tumbling out of control. Um, Prices are getting higher and there's very little relief in sight. And so it's kind of, I don't want to say they feel hopeless, but they're certainly sort of trending in that direction. I think it's important for people who are struggling financially to remember that this does not define their worth, that your position in life isn't who you are as a person. Neither are the four walls that you have or you do not have. And even though it seems impossible, and I know it because I'm living it, to take a rest, to take a break, to step back, to allow yourself, if you're able to find a spot, if you're homeless on the street, or in a hotel or whatever to rest, then I strongly advocate doing it. Yeah, I mean, that's just really powerful to think about people who are struggling and working so hard 
that it's also important for them to take a rest too. I guess one last question I just have for you in having done this story, what big question are you left with? You know, I think the end game, like there's just so much happening um, with rising rents and rising home prices, people getting priced out left and right. And it's just really unclear what's going to happen. Like our prices going to eventually go down. And that's the really tricky thing about housing in particular is that even once, you know, we get inflation under control and gas prices come down and maybe food prices come down, it's really hard. It takes a very long time and it's very unlikely that rents actually come down. You know, a lot of times people are locked into a long-term lease or landlords are just not that willing to <laughs> revise your rent down once it's already gone up. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Thanks so much, Abba. Thank you. Abba Batarai is the economics correspondent at The Post. She spoke to my colleague, Alahe Izadi. The story was produced by Jordan Marie Smith. And we've got an update about Josanne English, the woman who lives near Sacramento. She recently got a new job. But Abba says that her situation is still complicated. She had what in many ways is a happy ending to her story. She had lost her job, lost her home. She eventually found a new job and was chronically late and just kind of disheveled coming in because she was living out of her car. And when she finally told her boss, he offered to give her an advance. I was so blessed that uh, my employer was able to give me an advance um, because that was the only way that this would have happened. Otherwise, I'd still be living in the SUV. And renting and just renting hotel rooms, you know, and then how would you ever get ahead and save up if you're spending, you know, a thousand dollars a week on a hotel room? I mean, it just wouldn't have happened. You know, it would just have been one long spiral trip downward. I just don't know how. Yeah, that was the fact that he gave me that advance was a game changer and it totally changed my life. She thought that was sort of the end of her problems, and she was very hopeful the first time we spoke. When we followed up a week later, she was feeling pretty crummy again. You know, she was like, well, these high costs are making it unsustainable. Her bank account was overdrawn again. She was feeling depressed. Um, She said there had been impacts on her relationships with her partner and her children. And so there are very, very long lasting effects. Even if you're just, you know, out of a home for a few weeks or a few months, it can take years and decades to really come to terms with all of that trauma. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Renny Svernovsky and edited by Maggie Penman. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live. Each week, we bring you inside conversations between the newsroom and the people we cover. From global leaders enacting change to cutting-edge artists redefining our culture. And we make you and your questions part of every conversation. Listen to Washington Post Live wherever you get your podcasts and watch on demand at WashingtonPostLive.com.